Hello, listeners. Welcome back on the Founders Club podcast. Today, my guest is Herbert Gerzer. Herbert is the founder of a highly creative digital marketing agency for language schools. He has over 12 years of experience in the industry, from teaching to sales to marketing. Currently, Herbert helps language schools to attract new students and sell more courses through Facebook and Instagram ads. So please enjoy this wide-range conversation. Uh, Herbert, thank you very much for uh, your time and uh, welcome to the Founders Club podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Georgia. Uh, okay, so first question that I guess lately I'm asking to all my guests is how are you and how you're dealing right now with all the situation going on in your country? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm here in Salzburg, Austria. Uh, it's, a, it's a smaller town, so uh, just keeping, keeping at home, keeping busy. Uh, there's a lot to do. So yeah, th- th- things are good. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, with, with everything that's happening on. What keeps you more busy? The work or the personal? Uh, I know m- many people now are getting into uh, personal growth, learning new stuff. What keeps you more busy right now <laughs> in your case? Well, I, I work from home anyway. So, you know, this is nothing new for me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's important to have a routine. Uh, you know, waking up at the same time, you know, getting outside and uh, getting some fresh air, doing some sport, reading, learning, of course. Uh, it's a fantastic opportunity to improve a skill, to read a new book, to, you know, do a, start a project that you've been putting off. So, Right, amazing. So you've been working uh, remotely since a long time. Uh, before going there, uh, I'd just uh, like you to ask, can you give a little bit of introduction of who you are and what you do? And then we can dive deep on why you, remote, why you work remotely. Thanks. Absolutely. So I specialize in helping language schools uh, grow their enrollments and their leads through Facebook and Instagram ads specifically. Uh, I have been in the language training industry for about 13 years now. I firstly started off as a business English teacher uh, at Berlitz, uh, one of the big uh, language school uh, chains. Uh, I then went into corporate sales, uh, where I was selling uh, language training to companies like Red Bull, Swarovski, Siemens, etc. And then uh, I went into training and development and organically I did some marketing for the language school that I was working with. They need, needed some help selling their English courses as well as their English camps for kids. And I really liked it. We got results. And so, yeah, uh, two years ago, I decided to open my own uh, social media marketing agency for language schools. So you found this company and you start, okay, uh... I saw the remote working coming. Let's let's start. Let's transition to something that I want to do it and remote and work remotely. How was the transition for you, and how did you dealt with uh, the first time uh, to work from home and what what was the press practice that worked for you? If we can talk about that, it'll be awesome. Sure. <laughs> well, I'm I'm an introvert anyway, so being home is is I, I love being home. Uh, I think it's very important to have a dedicated space. To work in, uh, you know, luckily for me, I have a separate room where I, I have made an office uh, and you know set that up just like an office. I 
get up, I, I dress as if I were, you know, at work. So I think it's really that mindset of, of getting ready in the morning, um, sitting down and working. Do you really put the, the, the shoes on or you just wear flip-flops? No, just for curiosity. I don't put shoes on. No, I, I, I dress it normally without the shoes and uh, it, it puts me in the right frame of mind. Okay, so it's, it's about the uh, mindset and putting the clothes on. It kind of, kind of like sets you up in that kind of mindset that you need to feel like you exactly. are okay. Now I have to put, uh, sit down and put some focus on work. Uh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> yes, for me, it's something new. Uh, like, I guess for many people to transition and remote working and still need to create that strong routine and to stick with it. Uh, yeah, that's, and to block actually, out all the distractions. Exactly. That's uh, the biggest thing. That's the biggest killer, I think, uh, working from home. Right. So you work with uh, language schools. Uh, can you tell me what is the current situation right now of language schools and how they have been impacted by the whole uh, COVID-19 situation? And uh, obviously, they are, many have been closed and so on and so forth. What is the... Maybe you can tell, talk about the world uh, situation and people you work with what is it happening right now well especially for brick and mortar language schools it is an unprecedented situation and it is tough times it's, it's a challenging time for them they can't open their doors which means they can't hold uh uh face-to-face -face classes at the moment and they've been forced to find a different solution uh Most of them have decided to go online uh, more su successfully than others. Um, and the, the, I think the drop in sales is, is, is the biggest thing that is affecting them right now. Uh, with, with all the res travel restrictions happening around the world, they can't welcome new students at the moment, which means that they are either pushing back their start dates, uh, having to issue uh, refunds. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, when it will go back to normal when they can start, um, you know, taking students back on and, and welcoming them with, with, with open hands and open doors. So uh, it is a very, very dynamic situation. Uh, I know that a lot of language schools have very quickly adapted to the situation and brought out really well thought out online course offers uh, to their students. Uh, some language schools have decided to, you know, just run uh, run their online classes through Zoom or through Skype, just as an interim uh, kind of solution. Some language schools uh, have decided or haven't decided yet what to do, <laughs> uh, whether or not to go online or just wait it out until they can start uh, opening doors again. So, do you think that if once the situation goes back to normal? Will the education system or will language school be the same as they were before the pandemic or uh, it's where the cards are going to be reshuffled and a new normal will come into being? I think it really depends on the on the school. I, I feel that for most, you know, learning a language, especially going overseas to learn a language, it's, it's not just about learning English or learning Japanese or learning Spanish. It's about going to that country and experience uh, experiencing the, the you know the cultural aspects so i, I think that will return to, to normal uh it might take 
six months to a year or 18 months, but people still want to travel. They still want to go to Barcelona and learn Spanish. They still want to go to London to, to learn English and experience uh, everything that London has to offer. So I don't necessarily think this is a, a, a everything will go online. Uh, I'm sure some parts of the industry will go more online than others, but for certain schools and these brick and mortar schools, they live off that travel um, language experience. And I think that will still be uh, in demand and demand will spike once this whole thing is over because there is such, people want to travel. People uh, now see how uh, grateful they should be <laughs> to have the opportunity to travel freely. And uh, yeah, they won't take it for granted for more uh, anymore and will, yeah, start to travel again. So this the, the the segment. It's pretty interesting that you. I think you're 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 mentioning is when you enroll in a language school is not that you only enroll to learn the language itself, but also there is the cultural aspect and the traveling aspect of it. So going mm. in the country, experiencing the culture, the food, the people, the mm. the vibes of the country itself. So it will make sense for those schools to adapt part of the, the pedagogy online, but they cannot adapt the, fo- the uh, full, the whole experience of... of, of... Not, yeah. So this is Possible kind of... A, to replicate that. Yeah, this is kind of a, a limit to technology to replicate that kind of experience. Am I, am I, am I saying correctly or... Absolutely, absolutely, you know... Uh, I, I love uh, t- technology. I think it is a fantastic tool to complement certain aspects of the language training experience. Uh, but at the end of the day, if someone wants to you know, experience Spain or France or, or the UK, they're not going to get that through virtual reality. Uh, I know that there are some uh, tools out there to you know, experience uh, London or museums in virtual reality or using artificial intelligence, but it's just not, not the same as being there in person. So uh, to some degree, though, there is uh, still a wake-up call for language schools to kind of embrace technology and digitalize, uh, oh, digitalize themselves and go online. Um, is it too late for those schools to do that? What is your... Um, what is your take on that? And how do you, do you think it's too late or they still have a chance to do that? Uh, it, it, it's, it's very funny because I think a lot of, a lot of uh, language schools, especially the, the, you know, the brick and mortar ones, um, they've been quite resistant to change. Uh, they uh, maybe, they, they know that they need to keep up with the times and have a, uh, a strong online presence, uh, whether that be on social media, etc., or you know, offering online courses. Uh, but they they put all their focus on face to face, which is completely understandable. That's why people come to them for the face to face courses. But then it's it's times like these, or when when something like this comes along, that they're like they they're caught off guard and like, oh no, uh, you know, we we really need to start something here. Uh, again, it's really only been two, three weeks in a matter of two, three weeks that the language schools have transitioned online. Some of them very quickly, some of them not, not so quickly. And again, others are trying to decide which path to take, whether or not it's, it's, 
is that going to be our future or their future? Uh, or is it going to go back to normal or the new normal af after this? So there is still... Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so, so there, there really are kind of two camps, so to say. Uh, I, I would say most of the schools have decided to go online and look for a more professional platform to, to do that with, uh, whether that be uh, yeah, uh, all-in-one solution where you have a learning management system and a, a video conferencing tool, uh, or just going on Skype and Zoom for the time being and adapting their course material uh, for online training. So obviously going online implies that you also have to switch your marketing and to have a, a presence, a strong presence in uh, social medias and overall online everywhere. Mm. Have a strong marketing team. So what are the marketing mistakes that uh, language schools do and how do you, how should they overcome these mistakes, generally speaking? Or if you want to go in particulars, please go. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, really the foundations of good marketing is, uh, especially in times like these, is having a solid online presence. And, you know, a lot of schools are doing this already. They are active in on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. They come out with a lot of organic content. Uh, you know, they, they, they post student testimonials, uh, what their students are doing, activities, and that is fantastic. And that's what language schools should have been doing anyway. And if they have been doing that, it makes it much easier to uh, run paid ad, ad campaigns because there is so much social proof that they have built over that time with their organic content. Um, language schools that maybe haven't uh, seen that as a priority, it, it becomes a little more difficult to, to market because you don't really have that foundation that you, you'll, you have to then build that foundation, that social proof through your paid marketing, which means it, it gets more expensive because you have to spend more to, to convince uh, a student, a customer that your school is um, yeah, the right choice for them. Um, and a lot of schools, even though they've, they've done the, you know, they've made the investment in time and, and resources for organic content, now transitioning 100% online, they're like, oh, okay, how, how do we sell now? How do we, how do we market our courses? Uh, you know, in the past, they either have salespeople, they work with uh, education agents, um, but now everything is online, sure, they can... Uh, still rely on some agents, but they really have to take full control of their online marketing if they they want to get those course enrollments. And so it's been, been a bit of a learning curve in the last month or so with, with some language schools. They've, uh, most of them, when, when uh, you know, cash flow is cut, then they cut the marketing budget immediately, which is understandable. They need to preserve uh, funds. Uh, I completely understand that, but it is so important, and especially in, in times of a downturn in a recession or um, to continue marketing, to project this image of stability that your language school is still in the market, is still present, is still offering classes, because after this period, and it will end at some stage, uh, you will come out stronger uh, and 
especially now, people, uh, people are on their phones and on their computers the whole day. Attention has never been higher before. And in this modern world, the new currency is attention to get people's attention as much as possible, whether that be through um, a video on, on YouTube or an ad on Instagram and to be able to capitalize, their, capitalize that, leverage that and, and pique their interest. So yeah, it's a interesting transition for them right now. Right. So we, we talked before like content marketing and uh, other stuff. So how, what, what will be, what tools or what content would be good for those schools to put online and start to capitalize right now where all the students that they're targeting are probably online home board and then don't have probably much to do since also schools are closed, like uh, generic schools not only. What, can you give some insights or do you know what works right now and how they should approach this? Absolutely. Uh, It's... you have to adjust your messaging. You know, you can't use the same ads that you were using before COVID-19. For example, uh, use a writing text that really talks about the current situation uh, and and what students are going through right now. Oh, you're you're home at the moment. uh, You know, stop scrolling through memes and and learn a new skill, build on your, uh, use the time wisely. and also being careful in terms of what digital assets you use, uh, photos and videos. Uh, it's probably not wise to use photos of group shots or people outside anymore. Uh, so what we've done with uh, my clients is we've, we're using basically individual people in photos or photos of uh, students on their phones or on their computer, uh, videos of teachers uh, doing an online class. So it needs to reflect the current situation do you think like a webinar or i know a zoom free online lesson with one teacher of the school and whoever students wants to engage would work or i'm I'm just making some assumption i'm thinking what could work for a language school right now like how much value can i put outside and then maybe later on i can capitalize on it like many people do like live instagram facebook is uh live uh, lives you know all those things can I, as a school, put such content like one of my teachers just go live and start to teach some lessons like uh, once or twice per week and then maybe I can get the, call, the emails of those students and then later on try to reach to them if they're interested or would this something that, that, that can work or not really? What, what do you think? I'm just trying to make an assumption there. Sure. I mean, I think it's worth worth trying everything at, at, at this stage. Uh, free, you know, lessons on a particular topic, whether that be, you know, uh, Spanish slang or uh, greetings in German uh, for, you know, half an hour, an hour, where you invite possibly your, your Facebook uh, page uh, followers and maybe do a little bit of uh, um, advertising online um, to generate leads and, and you know, get their emails and um, provide that value now and then sell at a later stage once, once things are back to normal. Uh, a lot of schools have uh, set up you know, virtual happy hours, uh, online cooking classes, uh, which are fantastic ideas. And you know, it's about being, being adaptable in, in, in situations like these. And I think those are great ideas. 
Yeah, I think I think I think because if you if you think like what is the value, immediate value that I as a school I can deliver. Uh, of course, right now I cannot tell to a student to come to my country, but I can put help leverage the teachers I have and enable me as a school to provide to future prospect students to deliver some content, educational content. Well, uh, that's that could be something that uh, should be explored and uh, should be measured and see. <laughs> Is this something feasible, right? Right now, it's actionable. Is there something else that's actionable like this or in your experience that they can take advantage of? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's just about then penetrating through all the noise at the moment. Uh, every, every language school wants to, wants to offer something, right? Um, and it's not only language schools, it's, uh, you know, online learning apps, it's online websites that, that offer, uh, free language courses, what, what have you. So it's trying to, um, break the noise in the market at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, what we've been doing, uh, even with, with my language school clients, is really focusing on their core market, on their core target group, uh, as well as within their uh, geographical area, mm -hmm. uh, where they have some sort of a name or, or a reputation or image. I, I think it's at this time, uh, you know, if you're offering, I don't know, online English courses, for example, it's probably going to be a waste of your time if you decide to market those English courses to everyone around the world, um, because everyone's doing that. And uh, I'm certain I know that there are much uh, cheaper options from tech companies that have millions of dollars of ad spend behind them, a marketing budget. So it's really about focusing on your niche and who you know uh, are your core customers uh, uh, and leveraging that instead of just going out for the whole world. Yeah, sometimes the old customers are, are the best customers, so you can retarget Absolutely. them. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, one thing I want to talk about you, so let, let's, let's uh, since we're talking about marketing, let's uh, deep dive, deep, deep a little bit Let's try to understand a little bit in terms of channels, what, what would work and what should be the focus? Because we talk about niche. So obviously school have to have uh, very clear what's their niche and uh, where those people can be found in terms of channel. Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm. It's about really knowing your customer, knowing your student uh, inside and out, which I hope all language schools uh, know that and finding out where are they hanging out online? Where are they? What media do they consume? What influence, influences do they follow? Uh, and for example, if we're looking at um, maybe an ESL school that caters to a, a younger de de demographic, um, maybe you know, 18 to, to, to 30, then they're going to be on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera. Um, especially in times like these where, where, where they're, at, they're at home. And so you need to be advertising there. Uh, I don't think Google, um, you know, Google's a fantastic platform uh, and Google Ads is, is, is a great part of any whole marketing strategy. Uh, but you've got to understand that Google only targets the 2 to 3% of the market that are actively searching for a solution. 
which is great because the buying intent is so much higher. You know, people are searching language school in Spain, for example, and uh, um, that that's why Google Ads is so expensive because the competition is high for for that two to three percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's yeah, very competitive and and, and quite difficult. However. Um, on Facebook and Instagram, you can really tap into groups of people, hordes of people uh, that aren't actively searching for the solution. They might have thought about going to Spain to to learn Spanish uh, or doing an online course, but they're not actively searching. And by creating and crafting a a really attractive video ad um, or an image and some ad copy that really speaks to them, speaks their language, uh, you can wake, you know, awaken that interest. And so that's why, you know, Facebook and Instagram is, is so powerful in that sense. You have so much room for creativity, whereas on Google, you have about three lines of text. That's about it. Uh, that's interesting what you mentioned. So there, there is like one difference if we have to take those two channels in, in, in considerations from one side, you mentioned Google, Google ads, and from the other side, Facebook ads. Uh, and working with schools, uh, um, I'm talking with some uh, school directors ra- right now. Um, the way they approach marketing was use is you still using mainly Google Ads, because the the return was higher than um, than going on Facebook. Uh, and I was thinking like, okay, but that was before when you had to bring students to 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 your location to your physical school. Uh, and uh, what you just said is interesting for me. It makes me think maybe we should consider as well uh, Facebook ads because now since we help them to digitalize, have an online platform with their own brand or their own name that you just can perform online lessons, may, this is the, already a different product. So may may not be limited to run ads to through Google, but also to Facebook. <laughs> and mm-hmm. makes me think, should we try such experiment and how do you run some experiments like this? What is the best practices to try it out, if there is any? On 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 Facebook. Yes. Mm. Uh, so I mean, the the best uh, way to start is just by retargeting web website visitors and your Facebook and Instagram uh, page uh, engagers. Uh, that is the best way and the quickest way of of retargeting and getting a, a good return, return on investment because people are already uh, engaging with your brand. They know who you are. And that, that really is the most powerful way of doing it. And you can do it for as little as five euros a day, 10 euros a day, uh, and, and get such an amazing return on investment. Uh, so that is definitely the first point of call, uh, creating an ad that really shows your offer uh, talks about the pain points or the desires of your student and gets them to go to uh, an appropriate landing page to contact you, to do a level test or to enroll in the course. Um, when, it, when we talk about reaching out to cold traffic, which is a little more difficult, then uh, it's, it's, it's really important to set a a higher budget uh, at first so you can really test out different audiences, different ad angles and different images. Uh, Usually 
when language schools approach Facebook ads, it looks like this. They go into Ads Manager, they write an ad, which is usually about 10 words long, enroll now in our English courses. They upload a stock photo of someone on a, on a, on a laptop uh, and then direct them to their homepage. And that's it. Uh, one ad, one photo, one ad angle, and then they run it for maybe a hundred euros or a hundred dollars and they don't really get anything from it. They might get a few website clicks, they might get one uh, contact form, but then it kind of dies off, which they do. Uh, you know, all, all ads have a kind of a limited uh, um, life lifespan. Mm -hmm. And then they decide that Facebook ads isn't the right fit for their language school, that Google is better. Uh, yeah, and, and that's, uh, I understand that uh, Facebook ads is, is quite complex. There is a lot that goes into it. There, there is a lot of moving parts from uh, the, the appropriate image to writing text that really resonates with your audience to finding the right audience on Facebook. And of course, sending them to the right landing page that is optimized for conversion. So yeah, it is, it can be overwhelming for language schools. And that's why I feel they give up too easily on Facebook ads when it can be such a powerful part of their marketing strategy. Right. That's very interesting. Um, what is ahead for language schools? Can you make a prediction? Um, what, 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 what is ahead? Uh, that I've been, I've been thinking about this question for, for a while. Uh, and you know it, it, it it's changing i i really think i mean one language schools need to continue marketing right now i know that that budgets are tight and and cash flow is low but they need to do some sort of marketing whether that's on google or uh, they continue posting on facebook and instagram or running retargeting ads for five euros a day they need to be present in the market and, and show their customers or potential students that they're still active. Um, that's, that's, that's the most important thing. Uh, two, I, I feel that all language schools should go online, whether or not you know, this, this uh, stops tomorrow. Uh, they need to build out uh, a well thought out online product uh, because that that um, segment of the market is going to continue to grow or at least stay stable even after this. And then, I, yeah, I, I think a lot of schools will have to reimagine or redefine their, their, their whole strategy. <laughs> uh, That's a big of a task. It is a huge task. It is, it is a huge task. You know, just, just reading the, the industry news, there are a lot of uh, mergers, there are a lot of takeovers at the moment, uh, there are a lot of uh, schools shutting down, you know, completely, uh, which is very sad. So they, they, they need a solid plan B should something like this ever happen uh, again, and whether that be have a solid online program uh, or something else. <laughs> uh, yeah. Language school owners, their CEOs and their marketing teams have, I think, uh, a lot of work uh, cut out for them in the next in the next few months. Definitely. It's a really, really um, big wake-up call for uh, all the 
language schools, not only um, well, not only language schools, but all the education system overall. And the uh, the come come face to face with this reality, you need to adapt and you need to uh, put in place some. Um, some 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 resources or some technology to or some kind of contingency plan to overcome future uh disruptions such we uh assisted uh, during this month and we don't know still how much this will be going on still <laughs> um one last question where people can find you and how they can reach to you Sure, they can find me on my website, uh, herbertgerzer.com. Uh, and yeah, they can schedule a call with myself or uh, email me if they want some information about growing the language school online. Which would be really helpful. Herbert, thank you very much for joining the Founders Club podcast. You're very welcome, Georgia.